Hello and welcome back to the Marketing Mashup podcast. In this episode, I'm joined by Gareth Ball, who is founder of Bulldog Digital Media and co-founder of Email Octopus. It's a really good episode, especially for those entrepreneurs out there. We speak about what it's like building an agency, what it's like starting a SaaS product, how you stay healthy as an entrepreneur, and so, so much more. It's a really insightful episode. I really enjoyed speaking to Gareth. I hope you enjoy it. Gareth is a real entrepreneur at heart. Um, just before we came on the podcast, I was talking to Gareth about loads of his other businesses, and it, it's inspiring to sort of see see the different things that you've been doing. Gareth likes to see new places, goes to the gym, and ends his days with the Nando's. Gareth, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing? Thank you. I'm good. I'm good. How are you? Yeah, very, very well. Um, I did a little intro to you there, but <laughs> there, there's no better person than yourself to give me a little whistle-stop tour of your career. I've never been an academic person, so 2013, actually, no, way back, I think, I left school, obviously, at 16, classic, left school, um, I hated school so much, um, and then I then started working for um, a sportswear brand, um, a small business, that's where I learned everything, I, st- I was invoicing, I was selling, I was doing customer service, I worked out how not to run a business, because there's lots of things that were going on. The business did well, but I was the only employee, so it was very stressful. Um, I worked there for a couple of years, learned everything that I needed to know, moved on, worked for another small business. Um, and then I sort of, I had a lot of freedom in those roles, um, which gave me loads of room to learn, make my own mistakes. I was never micromanaged, which I loved. And then uh, I sort of found early internet time when I was about where am I now about 20 I started building websites and ranking them and uh, within Google and they started to get leads for the company that I was working for at the time and I was like sweet um, and then I got commission like that and then I set up another business on the side whilst I was working and then it was making more money than my job so I was like alright I better leave my job now <laughs> was <laughs> my, this when you were still at the sportswear yeah, 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 so yeah. and I, um, and my mum was obviously my mum was like, no, you don't want to do that, and all that, all that shit. Um, so I, I learned never to listen to my mum after that. <laughs> <laughs> Classic. Um, and then after that, went on to found Bulldog, which is my agency, um, which was sort of my first business, and everyone knows me for my agency, I guess. Six years on from Bulldog, now I've got a few companies, and yeah, entrepreneurship's always been in my blood I guess and my brother as well he's very entrepreneurial yeah so when you when you were younger what did you want to do did you were you sort of just gonna see where life took you or yeah I never wanted I never was motivated by money I never like the money was okay I was always earning okay money when I was when I was working for the small businesses and then I was like I couldn't handle working for someone else I felt like I was in prison um so after that yeah, I was just wanted to. I wanted to go it alone and and make the jump. And you know, what was the worst that's going to happen? I was living at, living with my parents, and there was no risk. And there still really is no risk for me because I live such a 
I, I keep my overheads, personal overheads really low. So then I don't have, I can go as risky as I want to be with my businesses, yeah. which is cool. Is that something you've been quite intentional with? Mm. Because I know a lot of people, if they want to go and start their own business, when mm. they, so say they've, they've got a job and I don't, I don't want to take the risk. It's too risky for me. I've got no savings. Have you always been quite aware of that? Because if, if I was to leave my job right now, I wouldn't be able to survive because sure. I have no savings. There, there's too much risk there for sure. me. Well, I had I had a little, a couple of side incomes coming in, and and I saved. But I always knew that if I could, the good thing of having an agency first up is if all you need is a couple of clients to start paying for yourself. Um, that's the beauty of client services; great for cash flow. If you're setting up a different kind of business, like an e-commerce business or something that requires a lot of inventory, a lot of capital, then it's more difficult to make the jump. Whereas if you're, if you're just offering a service or a consultant or an agency, a little agency, it's much easier to make the jump. So it was calculated differently. And I always thought that I could just get a couple of clients. That's all I need. Yeah. It wasn't really, I thought it was riskier not taking the risk personally. Um, but I always see people like yourself, you know, granted you need to pay for yourself. You need to live. Um, but as you get older, the, your naturally your risk, your risk tolerance sort of goes down a bit, and everyone becomes a bit less risky. So when I was twenty, it was like high risk. I'm still pretty high risk, but as I get older, I know it's going to go the other way, which is annoying. But <laughs> so w- w- when you're at the the sportswear brand, you mentioned you had a few different incomes. Mm. What what was that? What was sort of the first income streams you started generating? What were they? And when did you start to realize, oh, I can start to make money with these things? Yeah, I, I made this sports site and it was a drop shipping website. And, really? Um, yeah. It was... Um, drop shipping back in? Yeah, this was like, this was what? Oh, my word. 2011 <laughs> or 2012? 2011 drop and I part- Yeah, it was technically drop shipping. I partnered with a couple of people. I said, yeah. look, I'm only going to buy your stock if I sell it. And then I had an order from Eton College, which is the probably one of the biggest sports colleges in the UK yeah. or one of the most renowned and I said to my dad oh, I've got an order <laughs> and he was like what from Eton he's like I was like who's that <laughs> so he said to me oh yeah well done son and I was like hmm and that was when I first got that like when you open your phone or I don't really know if I had a smartphone back then but like, I got the order through yeah and the dopamine in your brain and like it made me happy and like it made me realize that I didn't have to do anything. They just found me. I didn't even know what SEO was. I don't even know how they found me. <laughs> what, what, um, what platform were you doing it on? Because obviously the default now that is was Shopify. Word, that was WordPress, yeah. We, we did any plugins like Yeah, loads of plugins. Yeah, I think it was WooCommerce. But my brother, I think my brother helped me hack something up. I think it was a theme. Yeah, yeah. it was a WordPress theme. Um, and it just, what, yeah, I've just been working on it for a while and then just had a few orders. But, you know, it made a, made a few quid, but it wasn't, you know, it just sort of got me that bug, I guess. Yeah. And did you like keep that going while you were working with the sportswear brand? And Yeah, well, I just kept building multiple little sites and, yeah. and trying to um, get some income. But then when I left the sportswear, I was like, well, I need to do some client services stuff. Um, I had no fucking clue what I was doing. I was just taking on SEO clients. Really? <laughs> yeah, but I, d- I was just ordering all sorts of stuff off Fiverr. And like, <laughs> oh. <laughs> this is the old days. I used to be able to order like 
I just kept ordering links from Fiverr to try and rank a site for a client, and then it just the client site just started to go up and up. Oh, that's so that's, sweet. that's <laughs> yeah. brilliant. So I've, I've got to dig into this a little <laughs> yeah. bit more. That's uh, funny. <laughs> that, that's just brilliant. So you're you're working at you're working at a sportswear company. You've got um, a few different incomes coming in from some th- these websites you're building. Did, did you start to realize what SEO was then and mm. build it that way? Like, how are you getting most of the traffic to to the site? Yeah, it was all SEO, and it's all pretty much. It's just the best form of traffic, in my opinion, yeah. because the buyer's so ready to buy. Um, there's no cold, you know, cold ads like we do see today on Facebook or whatever. It's so buyer intent, so it always converts really well. So even if I had a small micro site in where I live, well, my parents live in South End, like you just whip up a site and make an exact match domain, so like South End Sportswear, whatever dot uk. And then, like, you get traffic because there's such a small yeah. amount of people. But when they do search for it, they'll find it. And then you get leads and then it, you build a few of them. And then I had all sorts of, like, locational sites that covered the whole UK. And then I was selling the leads and I was doing all sorts of, like, stuff, yeah. which good fun stuff. Like, some of it still works today, but I don't really do any of that anymore. Well, I suppose in, like, cat stuff. 2011, 12, it was right at this sort of... Mm best time to be doing that oh massively um, it's a you, you so you started building this up and then you, you leave the sports or company did you leave thinking right i'm gonna i'm gonna start an agency to try and do servicing or yeah i started actually doing mainly social and i was like this doesn't re-, and i i was like this doesn't really work Why social i don't know it's just i called it bulldog social media and then i was like I was just selling social media to people and then I was learning SEO in the background because I didn't really want to... I was selling a little bit of SEO but I didn't really want to sell it to people if I didn't really know what I was doing, like completely know what I was doing. So I I knew SEO was sort of my strength or where I wanted to take it. In 2013, how did you get those first few clients and what what were you doing for them? Just contacts I knew, sort of like, I just sort of reached out to them and said, hey, look... Um, and then I built the Bulldog site and then um, I remember it was forward sl- I bought, built the site and it was pretty crap and it was forward slash SEO Essex and then I remember waking up in the middle of the night <laughs> I used to check my rankings every <laughs> second of every day I still check them but nowhere near as much I remember waking up in the middle of the night going oh what the fuck like it went from like page six to to like position one for SEO Essex. I literally don't know how I got it there. <laughs> Even today, I don't know how that's happened. It was a pure, pure fluke. And it was, I literally woke up like middle of the night because if I wake up in the middle of the night back then, I just checked my rankings, checked the green arrows and it was like one. So then I started to get leads um, for SEO Essex when people were typing SEO Essex yeah. in. And then I started to talk to people and then, then it sort of went, that main term was so crucial for me. Because then I had inbound and then yeah. I could convert them much easier rather than going and reaching out to people. So uh, how many clients did you have at this point? And was this when you were doing the Fiverr? <laughs> so th- th- yeah, this, this was probably five days. Maybe 10, maybe uh, like four, three, two, 300 quid or something. What, a month? Or yeah, yeah, a month, yeah. Or did you sign them on retainers or projects? No, they were all like monthly rolling. Um, no contracts oh, okay. back then. Yeah. Um, it was all like local businesses and you know we did we did well for some businesses like because there was a, a real need for someone that knew what they're doing most people that own an seo agency 
don't really know how to rank a site. It's quite yeah. ironic. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> That's ironic. true. So when you had those initial clients, could you see impact as soon as you went in? You could start. Yeah, and we were would just doing link building. Like we did zero. We didn't touch the site ever. We were just piling links on because back then, um, still is today. Like links is a massive factor of the algorithm. So we just built links, and we were doing all sorts of black hat stuff. Um, like not black hat, but people call it black hat. But we were just building like links from Fiverr, mm. really. Um, nothing too crazy, but it was so you, fun. You just mentioned the term there that I guess I, I'd, I'd like to know a little bit more about. Yeah, it's a funny one because uh, technically, as soon as you build a link, you're crossing Google's terms and conditions. So in my mind, that really is black hat. So anyone that builds a link through PR or builds a link through any form of um, link building you've crossed their terms anyway. So really, w there is no white hat and black hat in my mind. Um, there's safe ways of doing link building, and then there's stupid ways of doing link building. Like what I was doing back then, I would never do it today because the algorithm's so advanced. You can't really be doing those kind of link building. But we were doing like forum links, um, all sorts of like directory links. Um, and, but now like you want to be building contextual, relevant links on decent sites. So. I wouldn't say black hat, white hat. It, it's all subjective, really, yeah. annoyingly. But now the the barrier to link building is expensive for a business. Like people come to us now, and you know, still um, our clients are much bigger now. But even the small ones that sometimes come to us, we're just like, we can't help you. There's zero way we could help you um, because it's such a, it's so expensive to rank these days. I see. So when did you sort of start to? scale bulldog with was it was this your sort of first business that you started scaling yeah it was my first yeah. proper business that people i mean people knew me for like yeah. i was doing loads of other random stuff but it was the proper first proper business i started to get employees um, what was the point when because a, a, a lot of people will be in your position back in the day with then. bulldog where you're mm. sort of contracting out to the freelancers yep. the, the, the fiverr people I'm a massive advocate of hiring um, in the UK and, you know, a lot of agencies and a lot of, like, micro-agencies have staff offshore. Like, we have staff in Serbia and Ukraine and stuff, but our main bulk of our staff are the UK. Um, uh, when did I get... Six months into the agency, I got an employee straight away. Really? Uh, yeah. Um, he was sort of working at another business and I said, look, work for me. And then he came on and then... I was so heavy on hiring. Like I, I, I took zero. I think for about four years, I pretty much took zero out of any business that I had. Really? Um, yeah, just minimal. Like, if I have a, a footing, if I have the best stuff I can afford yeah. and the best stuff I can find in my area, you know, the whole uh, all my other business is going to move forward as well. Um, because marketing moves so fast, um, I haven't got time to keep on top of everything. So. <laughs> true so uh, your your first employee what what were you getting them doing and what sort of revenue number are you at monthly oh well, like was it right. a real stretch to no to it was never a stretch we always had good cash flow. we still have good cash flow like we've never missed a payroll yeah. never missed any bills for six years i'm proud to like never miss anything um, but that's through careful planning and, and not stupid spending. Because <laughs> I see a lot of agencies there, like, um, they go from, they swing a lot. So they'll swing up, they'll swing down, they'll struggle to have cash flow. There's a lot of project work. We always had retainer work. 
so we could predict and you know we knew what revenue was potentially coming in so it's easy to hire like that um but as you get bigger the clients get bigger payment terms become longer and i still have to pay my staff every month so as an as you get to the bigger levels like 20 staff and bigger retainers five to ten grand a month per client potentially um you know the pay you have to fund pretty much payroll before you and then that's then the client has to pay in like 30 days or 60 days some people yeah that's the bitch of it i was gonna say it's really really tough with agencies because even when you're even when you're a freelance you have these these problems where um clients don't pay you for 60 days i actually think freelancing is hard one of the hardest things to do ever like i think it's harder to be a freelancer than to have a small agency i've always said that because the the thing with being a freelancer is you're doing the work and then you have to biz dev whilst you're doing the work and then you have to deliver a good service but problem i find with freelancers is they're always chasing their tail so they're not necessarily putting the best work in and then it's like an ever-ending merry-go-round so i think respect to freelancers massively yeah. I, I, that, that's an interesting perspective so if if you're a freelance which I essentially you were back when you, yeah, when yeah. you started Bulldog would you say to them like if, if they're that mind if they if they want to grow out of the freelance yeah they're stressed with it would you say just try and build it to the point where you can get you, an you have to have some form of systemization or some some help like yeah. some other freelancers and even if they're doing a 80% quality of your 100% because you need to park your ego aside and and remember that you need a little team to scale up and you might not want to scale up you might be doing like animation and you want to keep it on your own but working from project to project to project is probably the most stressful thing you could ever do Um, so try and get some friends and some help in I think and just just try it don't take as much out the business and try and run it as a business rather than as a freelance, I think. So you, we, we've spoken a lot about Bulldog and it's, it's brilliant what you've built there and how you started it out. Tell me about some of the other businesses you've started, pursued, had, had some success with and sort of where along that, because, because Bulldog's still going, you're still, um, what, what are the other businesses you've started? And uh, Email Octopus, um, me and my brother started that similar time when I started Bulldog, maybe a year in. I was looking for a um, software to send some emails out to get some clients and I couldn't find anything. I found um, a, a, a business called Sendy, which hooks into AWS, cut a long story short. It was really clunky. I said to my brother, like, can you get this going for me? Blah, 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 blah. And I said, well, we can make something much better because my brother was like, he's the most talented person, programmer I know, and obviously back then i was like let's do this let's go for it and um my brother built tons of versions of it it kept breaking and then yeah i mean then we had like an mvp and then it started to move and then my brother sort of quit his job a year after it sort of launched and we had some customers and you know i think 100 or 200 million emails go through the platform every week now so yeah we have like thirty thousand customers so a lot of customers (laughs) so in in 2013-14 you just started Bulldog you're starting to scale that mm. um, you have this idea for email octopus your brother and you were you were both working on it how did you start getting the first customers for email octopus we were just like I was following all MailChimp's followers 
on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> and then like started tweeting them. Like I, I got them into a beta. Um, like I just built a landing page. I think what people do on launches, they do it all wrong. They 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 get build this amazing business and then go, oh, it's launch day. And then they go and launch it and no one comes to their door or no one signs up. Yeah. Whereas I thought if I create a lander, get people's interest in, and I was saying like we're 50, 100 or like 80% cheaper than MailChimp, got their email. So on launch day or like on the beta launch, we had like two, 3,000 emails. I two, think. 3,000? Yeah, I think so, yeah. And so was that from you manually? Yeah, I was manually following, tweeting them, saying, hey, here. And then I was jumping in on people's problems with MailChimp and saying, hey, check us out and... We, I mean, we'd built up so many people, but then we had so many spammers on the platform as well. Because yeah. we had like every man his dog on Black Hat World using us, and we had so <laughs> much porn going through it. So like, then we grew from user base, and then we started charging people. Then obviously all the spammers dropped off. But then we were like, oh shit, we've not got that many people left. So we built this spam machine, <laughs> and then we had to like recoup, and then develop it better and then we launched it properly and then went from there so how long was it from your, your brother building it to the beta launch um and you trying to build up that two, three probably six uh, probably six months five to six months i think yeah like he built a version and then we, he went back and then we had to rebuild another version and then but i was just like look we're going to get people interested in it um and i think that's the best way to launch something like that is it's just hustle, like, although that way we probably wouldn't do it now, but we were getting it on Reddit, we are getting it at Hacker News, all those sites. Um, we just started to build a bit of an interest to it, and I think how the brand was cool. Sorry. That's okay. Uh, how, how are you getting it on those sites? Were you, um, you we would just jump, I can't remember, I think, I think I did actually buy some Fiverr people, <laughs> Fiverr <laughs> stuff always goes back to Fiverr. Yeah. I was doing all, we were doing all sorts of like upvoting stuff, and yeah. like, we were just growth, they call it these days growth hacking, but in my mind, it's just like hustling, I guess. Well, it's just put, putting it out there. Yeah, it's, it's, everywhere you've got to create a buzz, and even today is, you know, um, Product Hunt, you know, I don't think yeah. we were using that back then, but Product Hunt's a great place to put your business on, definitely. So yeah, how, how have you scaled it over the past few years to, to where it is now? Um, a lot of development. Um, yeah. We've done some marketing. We've done some cool stuff, but very much creating advocates of email octopus, mm. which is massive um, for us. Like people love when they find it. They're like, oh, this hidden gem. They're like, wow, I can send this amount of emails for this price. Um, so there's a lot of advocates out there that do the sort of marketing for us. Um, so we focus on building a good good product and let everything else come. Um, which is a different way, but it's also like it's a nice way to grow. Uh, it's less stressful and and stuff. The, the the funny thing about that is the one of the things I've learned from from meeting people in this podcast and people that run products versus agencies is the agency people are very much well. You need to do marketing, yeah. But the founders who mm-hmm. have scaled and built a business, sold it, they all say the same thing. Mm. Got to focus on the product. Mm. Focus on the product because the best way to grow your business is to have those customer advocates. Look, they say word of mouth is the most powerful marketing channel. And it, it is because it is. if you can make people enjoy your product to the point that they'll share it, it's free. Mm-hmm. And if you, if you get a recommendation from someone... It's beautiful. Exactly. I think the first, you've got to create an initial buzz. And you do have to do some marketing on yeah. along the way. But I think focusing on the 
our actual customers, why do we need, we can sell from within. You know, customers are going up plans already, so let's focus on them, let's focus on delivering, let's focus on reducing their churn. Um, so the metrics we look at is lifetime value, increasing that of our business instead of we need more. It's not all, and it's the same with agencies. We need more clients, we need more capabilities, we need more staff, we need this, we need more, more, more. And really, if you strip everything back and look at your current client base uh, and service them better, deliver better, you'll be able to grow quicker. Mm. Um, I, I think a lot of agencies, <laughs> they end up chasing their tail and trying mm. to find new beers instead of focusing on their current clients. God, it's so true. And it is so tempting because the human brain is like, we need more, we need more. Yeah. And like, yeah, you need a sales team. Yes, you need a pipeline. And yes, you do. You can't just be reliant on certain clients but really you can build those clients into a monster and have those case studies and then it then you get your own clients like then that would bring you bigger clients anyway so i think i think that's what we've learned over the last couple of years definitely obviously building an agency building all these companies it it's not easy and a lot of entrepreneurs will will be building their companies and getting stressed out getting frustrated with things what sort of mindset do you have to have to manage that stress and what what sort of things do you do to mm. i think i think i think people value money more than they need to like yeah. yes it's important but when you get to a certain level even before you get to a certain level you need to look after yourself to then look after others so i've always made sure that i work out every day pretty much try and eat the right things because if you're eating crap and you're not working out you're going to make bad decisions without you even realizing it and um i just think entrepreneurship and fitness are very similar in terms of consistency if you go to the gym every day it creates a habit and i just make sure that i pretty much work out every day because it gives me that time just to reflect um especially when i was like early agency days when it's super stressful I'm much less stressed now because I've got a good team, but I think making sure that I'm changing environment, like I work and travel a lot, not in the UK. So I always come up with my best sort of plans and ideas and definitely abroad. Um, I've come up with a couple of good business ideas that did well when I wasn't in the country. So I, I sort of audit what I'm doing and make sure that I'm looking at when have I been my best and what was I doing and then execute from that, I guess. But I think within entrepreneurship, it's very like hustle. and You've seen the stuff with like probably hustle porn and stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, with yeah. The, the old Gary Vee stuff and everyone coming out. And you don't necessarily have to work super much. Like in the early days, definitely. But a good few hours a day is enough if you're making the right decisions. Um, and, you know, the best, the best business owners are making two or three key decisions a day maybe one, maybe even one a week. And that's enough. Like if you make the right one, then you, you build the right team. And once you build that momentum, you've got capital to put back in. You don't need to necessarily work as hard because you've got to be working more smartly for me. All of what you just said, I, I couldn't agree more with um, the fitness thing it, um, and just generally taking care of yourself, mm. your, your physical health, your mental health mm. um, and getting to the point where you're not overworking, you're not stressing yourself out. I think the big, uh, Gary Vee's message, 
I, I understand it, but a lot of people take it too far. The way he packages his stuff is great, but a lot of people will they'll they'll just think I've got to work. Um, I've I've got to work 18 hours a day. I've got to mm. hustle when I get home. I've got to work so hard. And the thing that I don't think he he mentions or or he could be talking about more is taking care of yourself. Mm. Make sure you get eight hours of sleep a night. Mm, massively. Sleep I think I think massive sleep is. I know we can. Everyone talks about sleep, but I've had like the last six years of working for myself. Um, and it's been great that like, I can always get eight or nine hours sleep. And also from a working out standpoint, it's great as well because it helps build muscle if you sleep a yeah. lot. So I've always made sure that I sleep the right amount. Like I won't pack too much into a day, like loads of meetings. I think I think so many meetings are just so pointless as well. Oh, like, tell me about it. I really, I, I try and make sure that I'm at minimal amount of meet, meetings every month. Um, you know, I can probably I probably got the capacity of one a day. I deleted Slack off my phone, which was cool. Um, so just little things like that, I'd recommend if you are like to get your to stop being I'd, no email notifications as well, mm. which is good. But I just try and you know I, I'm as bad as anyone looking at my phone, but just I, try and limit it a little bit. So I, I think like the key takeaways from just dealing with stress and mindset is eat well sleep well fitness go out do exercise yeah do and also yeah and doing normal things on a weekend like i never really like uh, yes i mean sometimes i'm pretty bad at just sitting at my iMac at the weekend but i always surround myself like my housemate will always make me go out or do something and then you know i'm not the one that necessarily my personal life like i just travel a lot so when i'm in the uk i'm just like whatever and then you know there's so much to be done and I've never sacrificed my personal life per se like I've always done normal things yeah. or what other people would do uh, even at the start like I was I was you know I was going away I was still going on holiday and stuff like the sacrifices people think you have to make yeah there is sacrifice but it's more about you're always on you're always thinking about something one thing in the morning can fuck up your whole day definitely so i think client services in particular is is a very difficult um industry as a whole and client services is pretty tough like you're at the mercy of your clients and i've always had separate businesses besides bulldog so that's definitely helped me massively if i was just all in on bulldog and i was riding that journey wow because if I've got other businesses that ebb and flow and you know do really well which I do it helps massively when Bulldog isn't you know performing as well as it should be or we've got issues with staff or we've got client issues which every business has anyway but I think if you're looking at starting a business now in 2019 I think look at something where you can own the customer the customer has to come back um, and all you have to do is provide a decent service to them, but you've got a lot of customers. E-commerce is massive, I love it. And I think that's where you can build a great business from home with a little e-commerce, mm. Amazon FBA business, massively. Okay, so d- t- tell me about um, starting an e-commerce business because I, I, I also think it's great and how easy it is to do mm. in in 2019 with Shopify. 
Shopify, Amazon, definitely. I think even leveraging Amazon platform is mm. ridiculous. If you can get a fulfilled by FBA, it's fulfilled by Amazon. You send your products to Amazon. They do all the customer service. They do all the returns. You do sweet F4. All you have to do is just get the product to them. Um, there is regulations in Amazon, you know, certain products and like if you're an ingestible product and stuff like that. But to you can have like a bottle opener or something yeah. and, and you can be doing 20, 30k a month. But how, how would you... Um how would you grow that on, on FBA? Because you don't own the platform then. Yeah, that's that's one downside to Amazon. I mean, there's lots of people that have um, FBA businesses, but once you create the awareness, every product, you put a slip in into the product and say, come get us direct for 10% mm. cheaper. Then you start to own the customer. You can build up reviews elsewhere. Then you have different strategies. I think the problem is with Amazon, it's so addictive and the, the volumes are so easy to shift. You're like, whatever, I don't want to do anything else. So, But you're at the mercy of Amazon. Um, but pretty much every business, you're at the mercy of something. Like You're at the mercy of your suppliers. You're at the mercy of clients. You, there's always things that re you rely on too much. Mm. So I've always tried to diversify my businesses where, you know, SaaS... You know, I've got agency and then other businesses that are different industry because, like, there's swings and everything. Like, the economy in the UK is, you know, okay at the minute, but I can see that there's going to be a dip. And what are they going to do? Yeah. They're going to cut marketing, probably. So, it should be an interesting road ahead. But then my other businesses rely on the US, so it's great. Mm. So, what, what would you say is how important is it to have different revenue streams and have different businesses? Massively. I think yeah. they say every every millionaire is, has seven income streams on average. And I think that's crucial. I think I've always tried to get to like three or four. Um, you know, I think it's so important because you're relying on one specific person, like one specific thing too much. And um, depends what you want to do. If you're like a full entrepreneur that just wants to create things, which is what I'm like, I get bored quite easily. Yeah, so after same. like a year, I'm like, mm, yeah, let's try something <laughs> else. But if I've got a team that can execute, great. And then you build another one. That's what I do. So, but just, yeah, don't, as you, I, I think Gary Vee says it, but like have your steak main dinner, like your steak in the middle and then have the side dishes. And if one of them kicks off as your side project, you know, move your efforts over there. But you can always juggle hundreds of balls at once and drop a few I think rather than just juggling one, and that could drop. What, what would you say about um, having focus on what one or the other? Because mm. a lot of people say that you need to put a lot of your focus into a business to grow it. And if you've, you're an entrepreneur, well, I've, I've got loads of things going at the moment, mm. loads of different projects, <laughs> whether it's the podcast, Others agency, <laughs> other work. Um, like, should you have fingers in different pies? Yeah, or definitely. Create, you know, partner with other people. Create a complementary business to what you're... You know, if there's a guy at UK Fast. Um, I think he has 14 companies within UK Fast. He, he has a build... He built UK Fast, which one of the biggest UK um, hosting companies. And then he ended up, like, building a building business from it because he was fed up of... Um, he was fed up of like paying builders and then he built another business off the back of UK Fast. So everything complemented each other. And then he started building his own software. Then he built a software business and it was very clever. I like that a lot. Okay. So if you, if you're, you're an entrepreneur, 
you start your business, you're at the stage where a lot of people are and um, they've got no funding, they just want to they, they want to start a business, they want to grow something, they want to be their own boss. Maybe, maybe they're in, they're in a full-time job and mm. well, how do they, how would you say to start to get that initial traction, to get those first customers, use e-commerce as an example, yeah. you start an e-commerce business, where do you get those first customers from and how do you get it to a point you can one, quit your job mm. and go full-time on it mm-hmm. and to get to enough revenue that you can hire someone and start to scale it? You've got to find a niche probably within a niche. So go super narrow rather than, and don't, all the YouTube entrepreneurs, just <laughs> like be careful of that shit because what, the, there's I, a, I made 10 grand on Shopify. Yeah, yeah, and there's a reason why they're doing YouTube is probably because their normal businesses aren't doing that well. Um, if you think about it, if someone that's really good at business, why would you launch a YouTube channel? Yeah, yeah I get it and personal branding and all that jazz but someone that's really good at business shouldn't be doing that anyway so ignore you know there's great stuff on the internet about amazon and fulfilled by amazon and some cool guides but you really got to go with what your gut you know and look at different markets you know a market in brazil or like serbia or ukraine have a look at products that are really doing well there bring them to UK and put it on put it on UK Amazon you know there's loads of ways you can you don't have to reinvent the wheel look at there's some cool tools online where you can literally click a button and see exactly how much revenue someone's doing on Amazon it's called Jungle Scout and you just click it down and you can see exactly how much someone's doing on Amazon um, which is phenomenal because it gives you the data so don't you you know if you're I'm not super creative like I'll just solve a problem and do it better um all my business have never been this amazing idea you know email octopus was just we leveraged someone else that was doing it really badly and that idea so don't necessarily think you need to come up with the next facebook or the next youtube just create something but move it into a different market and then and then start build momentum and then once you know once you've got traction you've got to be confident in yourself that you can you can go through the agony of the entrepreneurial it's like entrepreneurial flu i call it like the six <laughs> first six months a year you're going to have the flu like you're going to be overthinking it you're going to be worried get some good mates that have been there through that with you you know i've met some of my best mates online through like forums and seo stuff so you know i ended up most moving all, like not i ended up just hanging out with entrepreneurs which was great fun um, and I learned a heck of a lot like that. So you you pick your niche for your mm-hmm. e-commerce brand. Um, you've maybe started with 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 FBA. How do you then start to scale it? Do you, do you put a hundred pound a month into yeah in, uh, into ads? Ads on Amazon are good. Yeah, they're really good. They're really underpriced um, at the minute anyway. So chuck some money into ads. And the thing is with entrepreneurship is. People are very afraid to let go of their money and potentially not get it back. And that's something that I've been very fortunate in my DNA and my brain. I'm just like, fuck it, I want to spend money. If I'm not spending money, someone else is. So you've got to get it into your mind that you've got to spend money and you might never get that back. Um, But there's always learnings with spending money. So you have to put some money into ads on Amazon definitely but even creating a great organic listing on Amazon you'll still get some visibility so the barrier to entry today as we stand in 2019 is the lowest it's ever been 
but that also creates more people <laughs> and so the competition side yeah. and, and how else can you get people to your store and your your, your amazon listing what, what's you the best could way do to all sorts you could leverage other people's branding um i mean there's millions of ways you could do google ads direct to amazon i think um what would you say is the most cost effective way of doing probably amazon ads yeah. within amazon because it's so buyer intent and i think amazon and stuff converts where well, it does convert like ridiculously yeah. high um but just being very long tail. So if, if you have like a specific product, go very long tail on it. So, you know, if you're selling a bottle of water, sell like uh, sparkling green water rather than just go for the sparkling water term because you'll convert better, but it will be lower cost. Yeah, interesting. Um, um, is SEO and link building still a thing? For yeah, you, well, you can link build to your Amazon listing. You yeah. can rank your Amazon listing. Um, there's all sorts of Amazon stuff out there that are really good but again it, there's a lot of garbage on Amazon so make your product really good price point is super important and make your listing really real um, and then create a brand off of, off of Amazon because you don't want to be too much at the mercy of Amazon true true and then how would you grow that brand off of Amazon would you say um, the usual really Facebook yeah yeah, um, yeah. Google, a bit of content marketing. Um, but once you understand your customer more and the demographics of them, you can decide what channels. You know, there's loads of good offline stuff out there. You know, we've got a client that does bus um, advertising and killing it at the minute, you know, because it works for their yeah. niche. Um, they are expensive, but it works. Um, so, you know, there is underpriced stuff out there like radio ads, bus ads still, because people are all moving online so there's still some good uh, good good um opportunities outside of just facebook and instagram because they're they are the price of facebook instagram are going up and up daily so um yeah just start building more of a brand definitely is crucial yeah building definitely. a brand and i um i, I put this in our notes that we're going to talk about because i'm mm. A while back, I saw you doing loads of different videos for Bulldog. I used to mm. watch them. I thought they were brilliant. What made you start to invest in making videos and starting to build a personal brand? And you sort of tailed off doing it. What, what, yeah, definitely. Why did you start? Why did you? Um, Bulldog's got, we still put out a lot of content video-wise. Um, I always thought agencies are very faceless and like you can never really find out much about them. Um, and I was like, we're selling people's time and we're selling us. So why wouldn't we? So I just came up with the idea of like a, it was like, I don't know, people love reality TV, right? They just love watching stuff. And like, it didn't mean much. So I thought, why don't we create something within the agency, like behind the bulldog it's called. And, you know, the people can find out about the, the people that they're, you know, if they want to work with us, at least they can find out a bit about us. It's really helped with recruiting more than anything because people look and they're like, oh, that's actually a cool company. Because agencies have got a very, very bad name for themselves. Like I've heard all sorts of stories of girls and guys like crying in toilets at like 12 a.m. and all sorts of weird <laughs> shit. Yeah. Yeah. You've probably yeah. heard the same. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to take away the agency culture, the agency like bad stuff that people say about agencies and try and put some good into the world in terms of the videos. And, and it's cool for the staff as well. I think they enjoy doing it and... You know, actually, besides all the business stuff, we can look back and go, wow, that was, what the hell, like, wow, what we're we doing that for? Or, 
wow, who you remember that person or oh, you know, it gives you a bit of a footprint. So the videos was cool. Videos are cool for that for us, um, and it gives us a bit of you know momentum as stuff as well for stuff definitely. Would you do video for any of your other businesses? Um, no, probably not. Um, if you're in client services, definitely. But my other businesses aren't necessarily facing. The cl- I think video is very good, but um, it's quite an expensive investment, definitely. Um, yeah, to do it properly anyway. Yeah, if it, we always wanted to do it properly. So, you know, you can whip up a camera and do it cheaply and post it on YouTube. But I think consi- with video, it's just consistency. Like, And I, I just ended up... I enjoyed the personal branding, and I still do the odd stuff like this. Yeah. But really, it's just for a bit of fun. Um, I, th- I still think the best entrepreneurs are not doing personal brands um, because why would you? We've spoken a lot about loads of your businesses, loads of your past businesses, entrepreneurship. What, what, what's next to you? What are you? What are you doing at the moment? Where do you sort of see yourself going? What do you want to do? Yeah, so I bought an e-commerce business at the start of the year, so that's probably my focus for the next few months. Um, I don't know. I, I feel like I'm, I do want to live in Bali for a few <laughs> mo- for like six months. Yeah. So I did Bali a couple of months last year. So just more traveling, really. And um, you know, I've got a long. I'm still young. Well, I like to think I'm, um, and I just want to travel, keep traveling, and not be too stressed. I guess and just have a bit of fun um, but entrepreneurship keep building businesses and um, I get most of my fulfillment from building and employing people really and seeing something grow because the money is zero I see zero fulfillment with it I think that's the most apart from giving us ac- giving me access to travel um, like money has never been my motivator um, it's cool earning more but how is it really going to move the needle on your life? Like, I I just don't understand it. But some people love it. I get it. But for me, it's not been my motivator. Uh, I listen to, uh, I don't know if you listen to it, Joe Rogan and Naval. No, I do listen to Joe Rogan. M- amazing, good? amazing podcast. Naval's such a, he articulates himself so well. Mm. And he was he was making the point about um, when you don't have money, you have money problems. Yeah. But then when you do have money it doesn't make you happier no it doesn't but it removes those money problems that might have made you unhappy yeah and i, I think in but term- it creates more problems that's the problem mm. because you don't you're like what do i do with this money and you're <laughs> like um then you then you start thinking oh should i be in a bigger place should i be buying bigger cars or like and then it also creates problems and like other problems so I think I was probably at my happiest probably, I don't know, maybe last year, I reckon this year, like I've been earning more and more money. And then it's, you know, you just start to question everything. Like what am I doing? Why? What's the point of this? And I don't know. I think it's created more problems for me. It's definitely not, I'm not complaining, but um, it's just a new thing to come into more money. And then everyone, if everyone, oh, why are you not buying shit and spending shit? And I'm like, I get, I want to go harder at my next business. I want to invest more aggressive on my next business because all I like, it probably costs me about 80 grand a year personally to, to be happy in my mind. That's what I'm spending about a year. So I'm like, if I can make 80K a year, I'm happy. So anything over that, I'll just invest usually. Awesome. Ara, thank you very much for your time. Where can people find you? 
they can find me on Twitter at Gareth Jake Ball. Awesome. Well, th- thank you very much and enjoy Pleasure. the rest of your day. Thanks, man. <laughs> <laughs>